This is the audio version of the book Jailer by Acharya Vijay Abhishekar Suriji Maharaj in the voice of Rahul Kapoor Jain. Chapter 6 The Mouse Seeks a Cat's Refuge A mouse was once bitten by a bed bug. In his anger, he decided to seek revenge. Unsure of how to go about this task, he thought it best to take some help to get even with the bug. Having spent enough time wondering as to who he should ask, he decided that the cat was the best option. The mouse's idea to seek the cat's assistance in order to avenge the pain caused by the bug seems so inappropriate, foolish and filled with bitterness. The erudite say taking support of anger as a retaliation for pain caused by any worldly loss is even more inappropriate, absurd and results in a terrible outcome. The mouse has to lose his life and die only once whereas a human being who takes the support of anger loses his virtuous soul which is innately endowed with forgiveness he has to die many a death having gone the way of spiritual degeneration yes any worldly loss is just akin to a bug's bite may it be suffering abuse tolerating insult accusation facing a large financial loss bearing the pain of a slap or a blow with a stick or even as much as losing one's life at the end it is only a bug's bite and to feel anger towards this is like a mouse seeking refuge from a cat question not to let the loss of small sums affect us is understandable it is important to let go of little things However, how can one say that we should remain calm even on losing millions or getting our limbs broken and that it is foolish to get angry? How can this observation be considered valid? Answer. A soul feels anger not only on incurring a loss but even at the mere thought of incurring a loss. It is not prepared to let go. Therefore, it is natural for the mind not to believe that feeling anger is foolish and unworthy of indulgence however just because of that it does not cease to be unwise a traveler had forgotten to put on his footwear while walking on the road his foot struck against a rock breaking his toenail he was in complete agony but instead of thinking of the pain he was relieved that he was not wearing any footwear otherwise the toe strap of the sandal would have broken isn't this foolishness Of course it is because at the end the foot is the part of one's own body whereas the sandal is only a foreign thing same is true of the present situation wealth and life are both foreign to the soul and are going to be alienated from it kshama on the other hand is a soul itself which has the continence of an attractive heavenly nymph there is no wisdom in corrupting oneself by trying to stop the damage to a foreign thing In other words risking a loss of kshamapri tenderness and adopting savagery of the monster of anger is not a sign of good judgment this reality is well represented by a famous saying which is constituted in three sentences if wealth is lost nothing is lost if health is lost something is lost if character is lost everything is lost This saying is very apt but what is the purpose behind it one can say that health is more important than wealth 
and character is more important than health. However, why is one more important than the other in this suggested order? I have given this some thought. There are so many wealthy people leading opulent lifestyle all around the world. For the players of share market, this is a way of life. Sometimes billionaires lose everything and in no time luck is back on their side, restoring their earlier glory. The graph of the value of so many scripts follow the same pattern as the cardiogram of the heart patient kept in the ICU. The meaning of this is crystal clear. One can regain wealth within one's lifetime. What is lost can be recovered over and over again and recovered fast. But what is lost by losing wealth? At nightfall, the light goes out on the world, but nobody laments because the next morning, the world is going to be bright again. It is said that if you have lost your wealth, you have lost nothing. Health once lost is lost forever and cannot be gained back. An alcoholic, either after being inspired and influenced by someone or after experiencing a complete breakdown in all aspects of life, may abandon drinking, but his blood, which has turned alcoholic, can never become normal again. An addict of tobacco may give up the habit, however, it is almost impossible to heal the cancer of the jaw, which he has contracted. He has to have a part of his jaw operated upon and removed. He faces no choice but to tolerate disfiguration. Question: If this is the case, shouldn't it be said that if health is lost, everything is lost? Answer: No, because lost health can be regained in the subsequent births. Lifelong diseases like hypertension and diabetes experienced during this life are not carried forward to the next. When your soul leaves your body, even diseases are left behind and the soul regains its health back. This is why if health is lost, not everything is lost. It is said something is lost. There is nothing to be lost by losing money and something to be lost by losing health. Therefore, one can understand that health is more important than wealth. The Gujarati proverb, Pehlu Sukh Te Jati Nariya meaning the foremost happiness in life is to have a healthy body, puts physical well-being on a higher pedestal than the happiness derived out of wealth. It is true that one needs money to fill one's stomach. However, how can one consider doing any business which helps amass wealth, but at the same time leads to the loss of hunger, thirst or sleep? So many people lead restless, jet-set lives where they breakfast in Mumbai, lunch in Lucknow and dine in New Delhi. In today's money-crazy world, this person may spend money freely. He may be a big industrialist and be given a lot of respect. But Vyasamuni in his aphorism has called such a world traveler a fool and likened him to a person who has to earn his daily bread by working for someone. Also, why should one plunge into the share market blindly where sometimes even a single knockover can give a terrible blow from which it may be impossible to recover for life? Query: Today in the world, there is a predominance of prosperity and it is difficult to achieve prosperity without the spirit of enterprise. Solution: However, one's health is always foremost. 
one should not give wealth more prominence than the health. If you have incurred a loss in business, this loss should only remain a business matter. Do not make it a matter of the mind. Due to the disproportionate importance given to money, the mind does not remain unaffected on sustaining a loss. The loss which has made a mark on the mind also affects the body, leaving behind a trail of diseases like hypertension and diabetes. Rebuilding one's business, gaining profit and overcoming losses are all possibilities. It is impossible to reverse the deterioration of one's body and health. Is there a wisdom in this? One could experience a violent, unexpected blow due to a loss that could make one lose one's equilibrium. One could be lost in thoughts all time disturbing one's mental faculties. Even an extremely astute and hard-working young man who may only be in his 20s may have to stay home an entire day as he cannot function anymore. He fails to understand his responsibilities. He becomes a subject of worry for his wife and family. I remember an incident about a girl from a Jain family hailing from a city in Maharashtra. She was very intelligent and sincere. She wished to become a doctor, so she worked very hard towards achieving a goal. She appeared for her exams and did well. Awaiting her results, she brimmed with confidence that she would definitely be on the merit list and would gain admission into a reputed medical college. However, when the results were announced, she received a terrible jolt. The unimaginable had happened. She had barely managed to pass. All her dreams of gaining admission in the medical college were shattered. This blow was so terrible that she contracted asthma. The first attack was so strong that she had to be hospitalized at once. While she was being treated, a doctor committed a fatal error, leaving her a permanent patient of asthma. She would get frequent strong attacks, which then left her with a very weak constitution. The tragedy of the situation was that, when her papers were sent back for reassessment and were rechecked, she had scored such good marks that she would have been on the merit list. Due to some confusion, an error had been made on her mark sheet. Ultimately, she gained admission in the medical college and became a doctor. Now she cures many patients, but she does not trust her own constitution. She has crossed the age of 40 years, but she cannot gather enough courage to get married. Let us examine another example. English literature Jeremy Taylor was blessed by both Saraswati and Lakshmi. However, life had something else in store for him. The bank in which he had deposited his life's earning went bankrupt. On hearing this news, his friend came to offer him some consolation. He was surprised to find Jeremy Taylor absolutely unrattled and at peace. Not only his eyes, even his heart was unaffected by the fact that he had lost all his wealth. The friend asked him, aren't you depressed? He replied, all the necessities like air, water and speech are still available to me today. Liveliness and freshness are still flowing through my entire body. My limbs are as strong as before. My eyesight has not lost its power. My life is filled with ample natural wealth and prosperity. There is not a blot on my good character. Then why should there be any distress? The root, the trunk, the branches are all very safe. Why worry if a few leaves fell off? When there is an issue of life and death, it can relate only to life. 
Undoubtedly, life is very precious in comparison to mundane things like wealth and status. Does this need further explanation? It is very clear that to play around with one's health for the sake of wealth is unwise. In the end, the person who safeguards his health may attain enough wealth for his existence by exerting himself. On the other hand, a person abusing his health may earn millions or billions and may spend his millions or billions on treatment, but he may never be able to regain his health. It would not be surprising if he has had to lead an absolutely dependent and helpless life. In short, one can get back wealth with health, but one cannot earn back health with wealth. Therefore, if you lose your health, you have lost something. From the worldly point of view, wealth is important because of all the conveniences, comforts, necessities and things of enjoyment that it can buy. However, the person who has ruined his health is deprived of all the above despite having the means. His family and friends may enjoy the benefits of his prosperity while he can only sit back and watch. He would have to depend upon salaried servants for the smallest of movements he might need to make and not his loving wife because she, as the mistress of the house, is only concerned with the wealth that she can enjoy and the entertainment that she can derive out of it. Tea, milk or sweet lime juice would be the only things he could digest and that to fed to him by a servant spoon by spoon. Therefore, after losing health, your wealth is as good as lost. That is why one says that a person who has lost health has lost something. If a person loses good character, it is neither got back in this life nor in the lives to come. If the soul is inspired again, develops deep concentration of the mind to cultivate his virtuous qualities and make a corresponding, continuous and excessive effort in that direction, then only can he attain it back. For most people, thousands of births go by, even an infinite time may pass before this is possible. Therefore, it is said that if good character is lost, everything is lost. If a soul has lost its virtuous character, it means that it has fallen prey to bad character. Till it frees itself from this captivity, the soul abounds in immoral behavior and bad qualities. The effect of this is bondage of karma to the soul which are extremely difficult to get rid of, resulting in misfortune. In every birth, one is deprived of both health and wealth. The most apt example of this is that from the life of Agni Sharma. In his past life, he was harassed terribly by Gunasen. After he became a tapas, Gunasen had missed out on two of Agni Sharma's parnas, breaking of one month long fast on two occasions. Agni Sharma had started his third month-long fast and had really progressed in cultivating equanimity. He had generosity, forgiveness which would gladden anyone's heart. However, when Gunasen missed out on offering him food for breaking his third month-long fast, he got upset and turned hostile. What was the result? Gunasen kept surmounting peaks of achievement and virtues successively kept rising to higher and higher devlok and attained more and more prosperity. At the end, in his last birth as Samar Aditya, he destroyed all his karmas and attained salvation. As for Agni Sharma, in his various births that followed, he was either the son, 
the wife or the brother of the same virtuous loving prideless gunasen he was always restless due to his sinful nature terrible vairanuband constant treachery and betrayal because of which he had to bear progressively greater terrible miseries of hell even after samaraditya's liberation he had to transmigrate in the samsara for an infinite time with a lot of suffering thereafter by assimilating forgiveness he achieved the well-being of his soul let us also remember the serpent chandakaushika although gobadra brahmin was not blessed to be born a jain he had a very virtuous personality despite his horrible monetary conditions his dexterity at many forms of handicrafts and his hard working nature he was not inclined to make an extra effort to acquire wealth he was as satisfied with his meager wealth as he was with his work one night in a secluded forest a friend of gobadra brahmin was engrossed in merriment with a young lady in a room next to his The lady's younger sister who was as beautiful as nymph offered herself to Gobadra for sexual pleasure but he was unmoved and kept his morality intact he even made the beautiful lady who had no qualms in offering herself as his bharya his genuine sister he was not vain about his virtues nor did he indulge in any self praise he did not scorn others even on seeing them indulge in evil activities he was always benevolent even when he was in need of money he was not prepared to sell his art or beg for it two men who had become extremely powerful due to their mantric and tantric destructive abilities were on the verge of killing each other due to their intense enmity gopatra had the perseverance and the skill to make them forget the deep rooted mutual hatred and become affectionate towards each other When one reads about incidents from Gobhadra's life in the book Sri Mahavi Charyam one cannot fail to admire his many such good virtues When such a virtuous person accepts monkhood would he leave anything undone He developed his moral behavior greatly However Angshulak Muni Singh Maharaj Dedki Maharaj Dedki he lost his even temperedness He was enraged because of which in his coming births he lost not only his virtue of forgiveness but also his good moral conduct his downfall led him to become a drishtivishasarpa named chandakaushika his only aim was to reduce to ashes whosoever he cast his glare upon what a difference between gobadra and chandakaushika sarpa He was fortunate to have encountered Lord Mahavir who summonized to him and brought back his memory of his past births. Then he made his mind surrendered to forgiveness completely which required a tremendous exertion on the snake's part. Chandakaushika was back on track. However, if he had not met Lord Mahavir, what would have been his coming births like? Lord Mahavir's soul in his third birth was born as Marichi. He accepted an initiation from the first Tirthankara and his grandfather Lord Rishabdev and was completely wedded to the spirit of non-attachment. He made his soul great by his good conduct. As time went by, he started feeling a lack of bodily comforts while leading the life of a monk. He lost the moral behavior of a Jain monk which he had attained after arduous efforts over a long period of time. Having slackened, he accepted the state of being a Tridandi. he gained the status of a jain monk in his 16th birth there are numerous such examples to regain lost good conduct and virtues even after lifetimes is a very difficult task 
Also, a person who has developed moral conduct may not attain good health or wealth in the same life because of intense past demeritorious karmas. Yet in the birth that follows, he may achieve more of both. Gunasen is an unflagging example of this fact. In his successive lives and intermittent births as a demigod, he received lifespans of 1, 5, 9, 15, 18, 20, 30 sagarupams, which suggest his sequential progress. In his human births, in between his births, as a demigod, he advanced in his internal as well as external prosperity with the passage of time. This means that the soul of Gunasen did not abandon virtues like straightforwardness, friendliness and forgiveness despite suffering arrogant behavior, betrayal and afflictions caused to the point of death, subjected by the soul of Agnisharma. He maintained his gentlemanly conduct at all costs. As a result, he kept achieving higher and higher levels of moral behavior and greater prosperity in an uninterrupted manner. Thus, a person who upholds his moral behavior, even at the cost of losing his wealth, at the end begets abundant wealth. This proves that health has more significance than wealth and good moral conduct has more significance than health. Therefore, one must sacrifice anything and everything in order to preserve one's good behavior. Some musicians from another land traveled to the king's court. The king was extremely pleased with their act. He asked them to stay back in his kingdom and continue playing music for his entertainment. The musicians agreed. They were arranged to stay in a building next to the house where a merchant resided with his large family. The musicians performed at the king's court every day and for the rest of the time they practiced in their new home. The merchant's home would resonate constantly with the sounds emanating from that of the musicians. Sometimes the music and the songs that were being heard were even intoxicating. The merchant was dismayed. If the young daughter-in-law or young daughters of the house heard this kind of stimulating music, their minds would be polluted with passion and moral deterioration. He decided to safeguard everyone's good conduct and good thoughts at any cost. He made inquiries and found out that the musicians were put up as his neighbors by the king himself, so it would not be easy to remove them from there. However, he did not lose heart. He was prepared to pay any price in order to protect the righteous behavior of his family. He took out some invaluable, rare gems from his treasure and filled a plate with them. He reached the king's court with this offering. The king was awestruck at seeing the luster of the gems. He asked, O oh great merchant, what do you desire? O king, I do not desire anything much, but I have a wish to build a temple in my home for which I seek your permission and blessings. O merchant, this is a religious activity. Why would you need my consent for it? O great king, there would be devotional songs being sung and music being played in the temple. Some may like it, others may resent it. If someone complains later on, then there may be a problem for the temple. It is best to seek your permission beforehand so that one doesn't have to worry later on. You can build the temple and offer your worship. I am suitably inclined towards it. I am obligated to you, O king. The temple was built. The deity was installed ceremoniously. Devotion was offered to the deity every day. The merchant called on the drummers and ordered them to beat the drums the entire day. Every day, one could only hear the loud sounds of drums being beaten all through the day. The musicians were greatly disturbed. They could not practice as was their daily routine. 
they complained to the king. The king said, I have permitted the merchant to build a temple, so I cannot deny him the right to play music. He then ordered the chief minister to change the residence of the musicians. The merchant was relieved. Today, the times are very unfavorable. It seems as if the order has been reversed. People want to adopt a hi-fi lifestyle, but to lead such a life, a man's income is insufficient. In this rat race to earn more money, even the women have started working. But in the process, they are gambling with the moral conduct. There are several examples of male bosses misbehaving with their female employees at the workplace. The women have to put up with these inconveniences even if they resent them. However, later on, their youthfulness overtakes them and they begin to enjoy these acts. They start slipping till they can slip no more. Then a feeling of guilt nags at them their whole life. On being questioned about her chastity by her husband, a wife cannot answer truthfully and has to lie to her extremely dear husband. She has to lead a deceitful life which keeps tormenting her persistently. In the future, she will have to face a terrible outcome for her folly. Instead of going through the above impudence, would it not have been better to lead a less extravagant life? In reality, only a life led with moral conduct and virtues can be called high-flying. One aims to earn wealth by casting aside all moral values to then build a grand bungalow, to possess a fancy new car, to have an interior of one's home decorated beautifully, to dress as to ape the perverse Western culture. People have fun at the cost of crossing all boundaries of decency by touching parpurush or by indulging in an obscene, unrefined conversation and throwing grand dance parties. In short, spending money freely in a quest for excessive enjoyment and comforts which does nothing for one's soul. Does it not appear that a person considering the above-mentioned lifestyle as high-flying is crass himself? Should one be seeing the grandeur of the bungalow of furniture or the grandeur of the soul? The splendor of the soul is unparalleled.